0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening on this Friday as SMU is set to take on East Carolina for homecoming at 11 a.m. Central Time in Ford Stadium on Saturday. The Mustangs are looking to bounce back from their loss to Memphis. And I thought for the most part this week that this team, at least at their media availability on Monday, said a lot of the right things and, and kind of, you know, seem like they, they were putting the loss behind them, or at least saying they were. And if you watch the hilltop uh, of the Memphis game, you know, James Prochet said after the, after the loss, you know, we can't let this beat us. We got to stay together. We're family. All those things kind of saying the right things as a leader post game. And I think guys like James guys like Shane and, 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 and Delante and, and, and Rodney Clemens and, and, some of the veterans will, will kind of make sure that this doesn't you know, they don't they don't lose, you know, because of the Memphis game and, and let them kinda um you know, have that let down after after a game that was that was very, very difficult to to process, I think, for a team that, that has had so much so much success. This is the first real adversity that they couldn't overcome this year too it's not just having the adversity it's not being able to overcome it in the end and come out with a win so I I, I do think though that SMU is going to be able to take care of East Carolina and, and get a win and and move on to to nine and one and, and keep themselves in the race for the Cotton Bowl and then move on to to Navy and and Tulane from there and we'll get into kind of what you know, East Carolina looks like for the most part with Stephen Igo, who's our uh, East Carolina 24-7 sports publisher he's going to join the pod on the other side of the break as we close out the pod with that and we'll preview a lot of it uh, but I do want to get my prediction out of the way since we're going to have Steven on I think SMU is going to win 48-21 I think they bounce back they've proven they can score points over and over and over again it's silly at this point to bet against them not putting up 40 I know I forget which game it was now kind of looking back but SMU didn't put up 40 I think they put up 38 or something like that forgot which win it was but yeah this team can just score at will and coming off of Shane Bouchel's second highest career passing day at Memphis and that's a something that was kind of lost in everything that was Shane Bouchel's second highest career passing day just just a couple yards behind his record setting day or not record setting, but his uh, you know, career high day against temple earlier this season. So I, I feel like the offense is going to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to get enough stops against East Carolina. Steven feels the same. And, and while East Carolina looked really good against, against Cincinnati and, and their quarterback Holden nailers is certainly coming off of a really impressive game over 500 yards I think SMU is going to be able to take care of business overall. They're a pretty similar spread team to answer a question on the pony stampede board about what, what SMU is going up against in terms of East Carolina's bread and butter offensively. I think they'll, they'll air it out. They've got two really good wide receivers and they're coming off big days. And so I I think they'll, they'll try to get those guys in space quickly. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that as well as Memphis did with their players and, and. Uh, do that but look I, I think when you look ahead on this schedule now in terms of Navy as I, I was asked about that on the pony stampede board. Navy's a good football team. They're really difficult to defend. They're tough to play against it's gonna be a game in weather probably up in Annapolis and they're gonna be ticked off. That obviously SMU beat them last year. I'm gonna try to bounce back from that. They've got Notre Dame and and then SMU, so it's a big kind of two weeks for them if they want to stake their claim to a potential Cotton Bowl bid. If if they can overcome some things and Memphis can lose the game, they're they're in the same boat as SMU. If Memphis loses again and they win out, they're they're potentially in the in the front running for the for the Cotton Bowl. I mean, think about a win over Notre Dame, SMU, and I don't know who the, their last game of the season well be Army, and then. And then you play Cincinnati in in the conference championship game. That'd be three top 25 wins over the last few games of the season. That's that's a pretty impressive finish. So they've got everything ahead of them too. They're going to be playing their tails tails off. And just overall, they're a good football team. Ken Ken Niamatololo always has them ready to go. So kind of closing out. The the uh, special teams talk. I think for the most part, I've mentioned kicking camps and doing well at them. And Texas Mustang asked if their current if SMU's current kickers go to camps and and can get instructed. Yeah, I mean they they do that in the off season. They take some time and get away and do all that. It's kind of like quarterbacks with quarterback coaches, wide receivers with wide receivers coaches. I mean James Prochet works with uh. Col- Playback? No, he works for D-Rob. And so they get some time and in, in, in the offseason, work on their craft. But at the same time, guys, and this is across the country, college football is year-round. And you have classes during the school year and even in the summer while they're in there to an extent. So, I mean, you're up at 6 a.m., you're working out, you got class during the day, you've got meetings in the afternoon, you got study hall at night. Across college football, there's not much time to do this. But they do get away. They do go for like a weekend. A lot of these kicking kicking camps kind of have like regional camps where they say, okay, we're coming through, everybody come on out. And and that's kind of how it goes in terms of that personal instruction. So, yeah, I've mentioned that players do well at kicking camps, but I've also said that those players also have good film and, and do do those things in, in high school action and games and all those things. So, I mean – it you've gotta have both sides of it. It's not just guys just doing well in kicking camps that that get them roster spots. I think Jamie Sackville, that's how he got his though, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. Overall, I mean SMU SMU's players go to these camps when they can, but just like just like across college football, there's there's just limited time. Any chance of seeing Reggie Robertson against Navy? No. And finally on SMU's offense, do I think Rhett Lashley's being creative enough with the run game? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I think Memphis did a really good job stopping the run. I thought SMU got away, away from it a little bit early. I don't think you can argue with that. I think there's a difference in certainly being creative with it and getting away from it. And SMU and Sonny said this. They just felt like they had better matchups on the outside and 450-some passing yards later and 48 points. It's kind of hard to argue with that. And I do think the pass did open up the run. So I don't think if 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 SMU's in more of a defensive battle, if if it's more in the thirties, is is Cayman Freeman's run wide open because they're playing zero coverage and got everybody up at the line of scrimmage late in the game? Probably not. Is you know, and and think about it. In that point, SMU was you know should have been passing. They were down two scores. They should have been passing the ball. So, but still, Cayman Freeman opens that opens that up and goes untouched pretty much after he after he uh, ran over the first guy. So, and the run game is not always about, hey, are you are you running a sweep? Are you running a little maybe option? Are you you know doing? Do you have a sh- shuffle pass in there? Do you kind of do things like that? Are you running power? Are you are you keeping it simple? Are you playing zone? Are you running zone? Are you running a dive? It's it's doing things like setting up James Prochet's uh, touchdown! You know, with the, with the motion around that, it looks like it's going to be kind of a triple option look, and then James sticks his foot to the ground, and goes back the other way. It's all about getting players in space, and it's not about well, is is X getting his, his time and space? I mean, Xavier will tell be the first to tell you, hey, if I do my job, that's going to open up James Prochet on that on that wide open walk in touchdown, and so it that's what the running game is more about. And just from talking with different college football coaches around the country over the last year, you're starting to see that more and more is, is one, the Saints are are doing a great job of that with their screen game. And that's kind of been the model that a lot of college coaches are are starting to try and pick up is how do you get these guys out in space and have your screen game be an extension of a run game so that it makes you defend the entire width of the field so that then you could run the football. So I think while SMU did not run the football particularly well throughout the entire game on Saturday against Memphis, it wasn't necessarily their their job to to in this one to to carry the load. And it's tough to it's tough to sit here and say uh, no, he's not being creative. SMU has a top fifteen. Well, after last week, I don't know what he dropped to, but going into last week, a top fifteen. Running back in the country in terms of yard per game, so uh, yeah, I think they're fine in the run game. It's more about other guys getting the ball in space as well, and, and the run game kind of setting that up. Which I think because teams respect it, they will uh, continue to be able to do that. Going off of the running game question, does Tameric Williams get another shot at any playing time this year or not? I don't think so. It, it, it's week nine, and and you're you, you know the express or it's week eleven, I guess nine games in you are kind of who you are and I don't I don't think I don't think Tameric Williams is, is gonna get any shot at playing playing time this year I, I think that would be kind of kind of bizarre but um, as far as it, people who could be transferring I I don't like to speculate on that guys I, I do think if you look at guys like a Christian Davis though I mean I don't know what his status is if, if suddenly didn't allude to anything being wrong with him but he's he, he hasn't played in past four games. He's got a red shirt available, so a grad transfer could be in his possibility. But, yeah, you know, I, I don't like to speculate on transfers. Never really have. So, uh, yeah. And then on uh, SMU trying to get transfers, I, th- there, there are a lot of quality guys hitting up this program. I don't think somebody's going to transcend it like Shane Bouchel. And that doesn't mean they're not good players hitting up the team. But when you look at Shane Bouchelle, he set the all-time Texas record for freshman quarterbacks. I mean, are you are you going to get a bigger name than that? Probably not. I mean, th- there's just not somebody who's going to come in and who's been so successful at another position outside a quarterback that can come in and just demand that type of you know, uh, respect and, and, and status among a team. So yeah, I, I, they're going to be fine on transfers guys. I mean, it's it just, just give it time. It's, it's November, it's November 8th. They will, they have a lot of guys hitting them up. A lot of them are quality and, and, and they've got, they've got options ahead of them in terms of position groups. Uh, Getting more interest, I think defensive tackles one a veteran defensive tackle again, like Zach Abercrombie, hopefully one with two years, I would think, would be would get them a lot of interest. Uh, corner still, I think depth there would be would be something they'd like to upgrade. When you think about losing Robert Hayes, Eric Sutton, potentially Christian Davis, guys like that, you know, upgrading that would be a positive for them, I think. Potentially safety, maybe. Patrick Nelson's spot is is something to watch for sure so there there's a lot of there's a lot of different spots they could go wide receiver I think wide receiver is one that either Juco or 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 transfer they could look to running back they could look to but we'll we'll see I mean uh, kicker uh, kicker obviously kicker punter obviously the sorry uh, yes they are looking at kicking punting grad transfers and 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 guys like that so uh, don't I'm sure I would have gotten roasted. I would have forgot that one, but yeah, they're looking at kicking and punting guys. I know they got two legit options that they feel that they're uh, they're you know in the mix for as far as kickers and punters go. So um, I think that wraps up the team side of things. If you're looking at uh, if you're looking at recruiting, uh, was asked about Preston Stone and 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 Savion Byrne. I mean, there's no update there. I mean, no one's set a commitment date. Nobody's you know kind of come off of what they've been saying. They both want to take. Or at least Savion has said I want to take some more visits, which is natural. He's only been to SMU in Texas, so I think that's fair for him. And then Preston, he said he's just flat out not ta- not tackling the recruiting process until after the years. His team's sitting at eight and one on the season, so he'll be uh, focused on that, and, and we'll kind of see how things go. But I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's just kind of part, you know, where things stand or where, where they've stood since the summer with both of those guys. The staff feels like it, they're in it for Savion. And for Preston, there's a lot of, there's a fair amount of confidence there, but, but we'll see. It wouldn't shock me if he took visits too, just to do his due diligence. Finally, a little basketball talk. STL Pony asks, uh, you know, is there optimism? Uh, He's feeling some optimism around the team after Tuesday's performance. Are expectations so incredibly low that maybe there's a chance SMU has a decent year? I think there's a chance. It depends on the waivers. I, I think Jacksonville State was really struggling losing the players they did off of their team last year because their offense was completely out of sorts, but they had a lot of chances to win that basketball game when you, when you think about it in a way. they just they just couldn't shoot the ball in the, in the uh, they just couldn't couldn't do it couldn't get it done. they They shot it well down the stretch and got after ME with the press, but they they just didn't have the offense to go against uh SMU but I think it depends on the waivers and specifically Kendrick Davis I think he adds 5 wins to this team potentially. I mean I think from what people are saying he's that good. He he's that dynamic with the basketball. So we'll kind of see where things are at after SMU gets word on waivers, but I mean there's a chance they could have a decent year. I just think more more so or not it it depends on the waiver situation. So with that guys closing out the pod. Thank you guys for listening. But on the other side of this break, it'll be my interview with Stephen uh, Igo from our 24-7 Sports East Carolina site, and we'll, we preview SMU East Carolina, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN 2, or excuse me, U. so hope you guys enjoy that one. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Joining us now on the podcast, our 24-7 Sports East Carolina publisher, Stephen Igo with Hoist the Colors. Thanks for joining the pod, man. Uh, This is a game that a a week ago, both of us probably thought, well, it's SMU, East Carolina. East Carolina struggling. But after Saturday night's uh, game for the Pirates against Cincinnati, this one is uh, very intriguing.
1: Yes, it's it's just interesting from, from an East Carolina perspective. And I'm sure SMU goes into this game expecting the win based on how they played this year and they're at home uh, where they haven't lost this season. But I think from ECU's perspective, they feel like they really let one slip away last week against a ranked team. And now they kind of see this as a, another opportunity against another ranked team to kind of finish the deal. Now, whether they can go out and repeat last year or last week's performance is a whole different conversation. But um, it is a, you know, it's a young East Carolina team, but I think it is a a much different East
0: Carolina team compared to maybe somewhat earlier in the season. And the th- thing about that game against Cincinnati was they, uh, the pirates had a ton of offensive success with Holton uh, Ehlers having a, a big game, but they did it without four starting offensive linemen. I mean, it, w- when you were watching that game, what, what stood out to you in terms of how they were able to have success and, and, and why was Cincinnati just giving, giving them you know, just no no issue to stopping them in the passing attack.
1: Yeah, you know, it was it was pretty shocking, honestly. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I think everybody that covers East Carolina or is familiar with the program expected them to score in the teens at most. I mean, they have really struggled to score, uh, really struggled to move the ball. You know, I will say the last couple of weeks their offense has gotten better. Uh, They were moving the ball, and then against South Florida, they turned the ball over twice inside the USF 15-yard line and got stopped at the one-yard line uh, after a senior tight end dropped a pass that was wide open in the end zone. So, I mean, you can look at that. That's 21 points. They lost by 25 in that game. So they've really been stopping themselves. Uh, They're very young. You know, I think last game they started, you know, sophomore quarterback Holton Aylor's, True freshman running back, true freshman receiver, sophomore receiver, true freshman slot receiver. Um, they're just extremely young at the skill position. So with that, you're going to have some up-and-down play. But, you know, last week, for whatever reason it clicked, Cincinnati basically dared Holton Nailers to beat them with his arm. Uh, they played man coverage and, you know, left C.J. Johnson, that true freshman receiver, uh, one-on-one all day and simply couldn't stop him. Um and, you know, C.J., despite being a freshman, he's listed at 6'2", 229, so he is a beast of a freshman. He was highly recruited, um, and Holton Aylers and him actually played together in high school, so they have a great rapport, and that was kind of their coming-out party together. Holton Aylers throws for 535 yards. C.J. goes for 282, which was a conference record receiving-wise. Um and so I'm sure SMU will have a plan to try and slow him down. But, you know, if they play man coverage, it's going to be tough to to cover him. And you've got Blake Prawl on the other side, the son of former NFL receiver Ricky Pro, who's just kind of a steady possession guy who can make a lot of catches. So it was just kind of a breakout game for the offense, especially passing wise. The running game is still hit or miss. And, and the offensive line, you mentioned it, really banged up and they – you know, move. they were splitting time with a couple of uh, upperclassmen centers. They moved one of those guys to right guard and started the other one at center and let them play the whole game. And that really seemed to help from a, a pass pickup perspective um, on, on blitzes. And, you know, Holton actually had time to throw compared to earlier in the season, and, and suddenly things started clicking.
0: Yeah. That- that's kind of wild to me. I mean, just the way that game played out. And and you can tell Sonny Dykes when he was talking on the AAC teleconference has a lot of respect for, for the uh, for the receivers that ECU has and, and what they did to Cincinnati last week. I mean, that, that's kind of an eye opener for a team that you know, has to bounce back after a tough loss against Memphis. And, and that, that loss for East Carolina is a tough one to eat, but they can kind of build off of that and build some confidence off of that. And yeah you know, defensively they they certainly gave up their fair share of points against the the Bearcats. but what do you think of their defensive performance to, to have that to have them in that game and then uh Kendall full and uh, Fut- Kendall Futurel is somebody that can really disrupt uh, Shane Bouchelle potentially this weekend
1: yeah, you know they've the defense actually is interesting because defense started the year fairly strong and the offense was poor and now the offense has turned around now the defense has slipped they have really just sputtered stopping the run in conference play. I think they're giving up 284 yards rushing per game in league play. And, you know, you you throw Navy in there, which is kind of skews the numbers a little bit, but at the same time they gave up over 340 yards rushing to South Florida. And uh, I think close to 300 or if not more than against Cincinnati last week. And uh, we're killed by Desmond Ritter, the dual threat quarterback on the quarterback draw all game long. The linebacker play just hasn't been very good. Um, You know, the defensive line play has been solid against the pass. You know, they're not bad against the pass. It's, you know, Kendall Futrell, like you mentioned, eight and a half, nine sacks on the year, um, which is a good pace. He's kind of a speed rusher off the edge, 6'2", 235, not big, but very fast and dynamic. Alex Turner and Jalen Price are two senior defensive tackles who are good and experienced. uh, But the depth behind them is not good. So, you know, if SMU gets their tempo offense going – um, and establishes the run, you know, and doesn't make mistakes. I have a hard time seeing ECU getting them off the field a lot. You know, they do have some decent pass cover guys, uh, and, again, they're young. You know, true freshman cornerback Jaquan McMillan has graded out as their best corner. You know, he's. you look at him, he's only 5'9", 180, but uh, he is an absolute ball hawk. Um, forced an interception last week with a tip pass on the first play of the game. Really sticky in man coverage, and it'll be interesting to see if if they match him up with Proche uh, for SMU, just because he's kind of the go-to guy. McMillan's been their best-covered corner all year. You know, they put McMillan on Gabriel Davis against UCF, and he did hit a few big big plays, but um, you know, did a much better job in the second half. And he's done a good job on number one receivers all year, so that's something I'll keep an eye on Saturday, but. You know, there's no doubt the defense has been struggling lately for ECU, and, and that's a shame because now you're, you're finally getting the offense going.
0: Yeah, and, and that'll, that'll be something to watch as well. I, I think big picture I wanted to ask you because I've been impressed with Mike Houston since he's taken over, and I know they're three and six right now coming into this one, but I feel like they've been more often than not competitive in, in games, and, and I, don't, I don't know. That's kind of me being an outsider, but what have you thought about the job they've done and, and just kind of where they're headed as a program right now?
1: Yeah, I think th- there's very little doubt that Mike Houston's a guy long term. I mean, you just look at his resume, and you know, he's won everywhere he's been. You know, he won at the division two level with Lenore Ryan, um, really turned that program around. You know, the Citadel, which probably is one of the hardest jobs in America at the FCS level, uh, you know, turned them around and went into South Carolina and beat them running the triple option with the Citadel. Uh, won their first conference championship, I think, in in 25 years or something like that, led them to the playoffs. And then James Madison took over a talented roster and won a national championship in his first year, got back to the national championship there second year. So, you know, he's done it at every level. Uh, This is his first time, of course, at the FBS level. And, you know, it's a different situation because at James Madison, he took over a program that had talent and just needed to put it all together. They did. Now he's taken over a program – that in my opinion does not have the horses or the experience to go out and compete from day one in this league from, from week to week, uh, especially in the trenches. So, you know, I think that the culture is being established, um, you know, he's a hard nosed, physical type coach. And, and I think they kind of want to model themselves after a temple or a Cincinnati and which is why kind of last week's passing numbers were a surprise because they've been so balanced as you're running the ball or trying to run the ball. So, um, you know, I think long term they're going to go more towards that style. They might have to play more of a up tempo passing game with the current personnel to have more success, which they figured out last week. But there, there's no doubt this is a good staff. They're recruiting well. I think the, the class is ranked third in the in the conference um, according to 24/7 Sports. They've got really good linemen committed. So, you know, long term, I think it's a probably a three or four year rebuild realistically to get this team to a, a conference championship level. Um, but the the, the the fact is Scotty Montgomery the former head coach just left this place in shambles in many regards and uh it's going to take some time to build it up but but yeah I I think Mike Houston is 100% the right guy
0: well that's great cuz I mean I think having a a strong East Carolina team is good for the AAC I think when you look at just you know the uh, when Ruffin McNeil was there and 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 them packing that stadium. I, I've, I've w- always wanted to make it over for a game. I think it's just one of the f- best fan bases in the conference as well. So um, looking forward to following Mike Houston. I know SMU fans uh, remember James Madison. Mike Houston wasn't the coach there at that time, but they did uh, beat SMU in, in 2015, I believe it was, coming back to, to win that one. So um, look, I, I, I'm really intrigued to, to watch how Mike Houston builds this program. I guess we'll leave with this what what do you what, what do you kind of think about this game on Saturday and how do you uh see it going down
1: you know i think it, it's you know tough really for for both teams to bounce back after last week um, given the the circumstances of both games but and that you know that's what makes college football fun sometimes you just don't know i think s m u is definitely the the more, more talented team um, especially with some of the things they do on offense and i think e c will have a tough time stopping them you know can ECU come out and replicate some of last week's passing success? If they do, it could turn into kind of a, a high-scoring track meet type of game. But, you know, to this point, they just haven't been able to consistently show they can do that. Um, now, if they come out and do that, you know, they'll have a shot at the end probably to win the game or at least compete. But um, I think the this, this safe pick is SMU at home. Um, but the 11 a.m. local start time is interesting, even though I, I know we had talked earlier this week and, You mentioned SMU practices in the morning, Uh, so that'll be interesting just to see how it affects the crowd and everything and the teams and both teams coming back from emotional losses. But, you know, I'll be surprised if ECU goes over there and win. Uh, I'll be also surprised if they don't compete and keep it within, you know, two to three touchdowns um, and make things interesting and continue kind of last week's momentum and, and at least put a scare into the
0: Mustangs. Well, good stuff, man. I appreciate you jumping on the pod with us and, and have a great rest of the week as as we record this on a Wednesday morning and uh, enjoy the game and, and we'll be following each other uh, throughout it. Uh, appreciate all the, all the coverage you guys do over there at Hoist the Colors. Check them out for the East Carolina side of this one. Everybody. Podcast. Keep it locked on Pony Stampede for all your SMU coverage. Keep it lost, locked on Hoist the Colors for all your Pirates coverage. Appreciate everybody listening. Enjoy the game this weekend and have a good one.